0: Welcome to the Two Northern Lasses podcast with host Michelle Cowan and guest brought to you by Absolute Media UK Limited, Huddersfield's perfect podcast production pit. Hello, welcome to the Two Northern Lasses podcast. It's the 14th of September 2021, but actually it's the 15th of September for our guest and um, Claire Huxley, former late Claire Houston, who I went to school with. Um, I did a calculation before we got on and and we left school 36 years ago, which made me feel sick. Um, I was just like, oh gosh, that is just like so long ago. Um, So Claire's in New Zealand, she's in Auckland, and she is currently the CEO of the International Travel College of New Zealand. And... And I've been following Claire on kind of social media and and LinkedIn for a while now. And and I just thought she'd make a wonderful guest. So here she is. So welcome, Claire.
1: Thank you, Kiora. Good morning from New Zealand.
0: (laughs) One of my questions was, has your accent changed and and actually you sound very, very English? I do.
1: I I do think there's some things you can adapt and change. But, you know, I think my accent is my accent. I mean, when I see Deborah and Sajit and when I heard your podcasts, I kind of go, oh, my God, this, I'm so broad. But then I know that I still have that. I'll probably turn it down. But there's a bit of me which
0: is I've been here 20 years. So it it can't can't um, take the Yorkshire out of a (laughs) girl. I can sort of I've got a kind of very vague memory of when because you joined our school sort of midway through and and I think and I can remember thinking that you were quite
1: posh um yeah so moved over from Leeds I think when I was yeah that, uh, <laughs> that's really posh, <laughs> that's dead posh dead yeah posh. but we'd lived all over before so I think my accent my mum always says I think in order to fit in I just adapted to wherever I was um and of course yeah, yeah it's been the longest period of time I've been anywhere so I picked up the accent probably the most
0: and yeah yeah it, it stays so, with you and I'm well I'm really interested to understand what that journey was from leaving school at 16 to you now becoming a CEO of a travel college which is fantastic um so take us back to leaving King James's school in oh, 1985 it was trauma trauma <laughs> God, was it 85? Um, and I think I left in 84
1: because I think I left straight after O-levels. So um, I think it wouldn't be a surprise to you, Michelle, that like I was no fun of school. I don't know, you know, there were lots of circumstances, but I just, I never found anything I really enjoyed or that I was really good at. And I think I just couldn't wait to get out. And we, you know, I, I did have a college placement, at a beauty college in London. That was my dream. You know, I'd always dreamt about doing makeup. I knew that London would have a lot of opportunities. I could see myself being on the BBC. Um, and then that move to London didn't work out for my mum.
0: Um, just, and my just to stop you there, do you remember what lipstick we all wore at school? Twilight Teaser. That's I the one. I wonder, if, looked, I
1: wonder if boots still sell it. I'll look like we'd had a heart attack. <laughs> Probably do. I still remember the Miss Selfridges makeup kit. I mean, yeah, it was. They probably do sell it, but only to people like us who were, oh, do you remember the day?
0: <laughs> Nostalgia. Yeah. Exactly. I know. Uh, so, yeah,
1: so that was, you know, that was my plan. And I always talk to my kids about, you know, you have a plan, but you've got to be open to the fact that the plan will change. So when we moved back to Huddersfield, um, my mum had said, what are you going to do? And I, there was like, there was, hell was freezing over before I was going back to sixth form college, especially at school. I think I've I been... Mean, you know, I'd been quite obnoxious with a lot of teachers and I thought there's no way I'm going back to school to do my A levels. And I couldn't see any opportunities to do anything makeup in the north of England, because this was before, you know, there was everything, you know, like all the arts and the, you know, theatres and stuff. So um, I just thought, well, what else do I know? What else do I, what else did I enjoy? So I applied for loads of, as they were called, youth training schemes. Yeah. And um, mainly into travel companies, because I thought, well, I can learn some stuff. I can go to college. Um, and I applied for one at Thompson holidays. So bear in mind, my mum worked for the same group, but it was a different division. Um, and my mum had said she knew the general manager. She said, I'm not going to put a word in. You're going to do this on your own. You know, get through on your own on your own skills. I was like, OK, cool. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, and I applied an out of 200 and odd um, people we got through. And that was in Manchester. So, you know, I was travelling from Huddersfield to Manchester every day and I loved it. It was a brilliant opportunity. And I learned heaps. Hated the exam because the exam wasn't really relevant to the work I was doing, which I kind of understand now. But I had a year there and I I um, I loved it. And it was the first year they got computers. So of course I just took it in like a sponge. Absolutely loved it and really enjoyed the work. It was really varied. And the Leeds office had a full-time vacancy. Um, so they offered me a job at the end of my training scheme. And I'd off, been offered a job at Manchester and at Leeds, but context, I was 17. So I was like, oh, which is the cheaper travel? Yeah. <laughs> so I took, Leeds, I took the Leeds job. You know, I just kind of went, I'll take the Leeds job. Um, and I went in there as just a kind of, you know, general dog body reservations person. And I worked in every single department. So I did all the groups. I did the marketing. I did admin. I did reservations, um, and I just, you know, worked there for five years. Absolutely loved it. Um, I used to have a, I used to have my passport in the drawer. I'd have a bag packed, and if somebody couldn't go on a trip because I worked with a lot of older women who've got younger kids, and if they couldn't go on an educational, I'd pick me, pick me. Um, yeah. So I just, I, I, you know, I got to travel for nothing. Um, quite well paid, I think about it now as well, the best culture, one of the best cultures, other than our own, one of the best cultures, organisation I've ever worked in, a lot of older women, a lot of younger women, older women mentored and helped the younger women. Um,
0: was it mainly real... women? And was the, was what about men? Was it uh, top GM, heavy women? The GM
1: was a man, Nigel, and before that Richard, but all of the people that were there were all women there was a couple of guys that were reps that would come and work in the winter, you know, in the winter season. Um, but mainly it was all women. And there was like two or three supervisors, Monica, Pat, I can remember, Elaine. Elaine, who I'm still in touch with on Facebook. But, um, and all the supervisors were older women. I say older, they were probably 35. But, you know, <laughs> when, you, when you're when 17, 16, adults, everybody's older. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was just just the best experience. I learned so much. And I think because I I enjoyed it, that's what I discovered there. Because I enjoyed the work, because I was talking about travel, was researching travel, it never felt arduous. It never felt like a job because it was something I was, you know, and I think about it, of course, this is what my mum, you know, my mum worked in travel all her life. So it never seemed to be like something that was arduous. But I, I discovered there my ability to learn new information and because the it was as I say it was the first couple of years them having reservation systems and a lot of the older generation were having to learn a new thing and they were really struggling with that I a could do it but b could show the people how to do it so I had a knack for being able to absorb something and then saying do you want me to show you how to do that um Mm. so it, it was it was an absolute brilliant job loved it there's bits of me that thinks and if you know, serendipity and fate hadn't occurred, I, I would still have been there. It was just one of those jobs. I applied for a supervisor's job when I was 20 or 19, didn't get it, but I was really close to getting it. Um, and yeah, as I said, worked in every different department and I was the only, well, one of the few people as well. If we were quiet, I would sit and read all the brochures, like a SWAT. and everybody used to say that, mm. get you SWAT. you know, everybody else would be doing the shopping list or, you know, t- tidying a bag or, you know, yeah you know doing the admin I'd be sat there reading a brochure booking my next pretend holiday to Maldives Seychelles or you know I, the minute a new product would come out I would eat I would literally get the brochure and go through it so I did that for five years and the week the week of my 21st birthday um, we won region of the year so there was 12 regional regional offices all throughout the UK and the week of my twenty-first birthday on the Monday morning, the manager got us all into the office, and we were thinking, "Oh, we've won something else!" And the head office had decided to show all the regional offices. Oh God! And uh, I, was, I was, you know, I was like, "Oh, happy 21st. Um And I was just blown away because it was just, it was the job of my dreams. Really loved it. Everybody was so upset. Um, we all went to the pub. I remember <laughs> Monday lunchtime. Right, that's it. We're Downing Tools. And this was in the November, um, but they weren't going to close the offices till March. So we all got handed this letter, you know, redundancy letter. And we had the option to stay and get a bonus payment or to leave. And you got your redundancy. The redundancy was really generous. I mean, they even included my YTS year. So, you know, I've I've been classed as being there for five, six years. Um, And yeah, I was 21. I just got a house. Um, Bearing in mind. 88, 89 <laughs> stock market crash, so mortgage mm. rates were at 15, 16. You say it now, and people go, What? You know, 16, 17%. And I just I kind of made the choices. Well, we were offered to go to Manchester. We could have gone to the <laughs> I was thinking how ironic I would have gone back to Manchester. We could have gone to Manchester because that was going to be the head office for the whole organization. Um, but I just I don't know, I just I think it it shook it shook me and I thought, no know the you know the the timing was bad you know was this going to be the end of an industry did I want to do something new so and also just working with people who we knew in months to come we weren't going to be together Mm. and we were such a close-knit family I just took the opportunity right I'm going to apply for any job and I'm 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 just going to get I'm going to get a different job and do something different um and also I kind of thought there was going to be a massive, you know, there was more and more, people, you heard about more and more people getting made redundant. I just thought, oh, the job market's going to be flooded. Now's a good time. So I took, you know, took the redundancy and applied for a job in the, from the newspaper, good old newspapers. Do you remember the day? Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> do you remember the
1: day? And uh, applied for a job as a PA to a marketing director. I figured because I've got lots of skills in terms of admin. Telesales, you know I was good at the sales that I could do this job and it was in a printing industry so it was a completely different sector but I could see that you know I could do this kind of work because it got similar skills it was a small business so I went from you know working from this big huge organization Thompson's you know hundreds of staff to just there was 11 12 people so a small two guys owned this business um and yeah I got down to the last interview and got the job, and it got it got a car. I'll be honest, I applied for it because it was more money as well, and it had got a car. The irony being is I didn't have a driving license. <laughs> 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 this is me all over. This, this is what I do. So I got the job with a car, and then I knew I had to make, I had to learn how to drive in order to get the car. Nothing like putting myself under a bit of pressure. So. Yeah, um, I went there and that was, know, yeah, as I say, different, different sector, different skills um, and something kind of dead new. But it was, I think when I look at what I did and what I learned, it was a lot about organisation, but a lot about sales. And I probably started to learn then the most important thing, of obviously, in my career, which was just about marketing, about direct marketing, building relationships, selling. Pitching, um, making you know cold calls. <laughs> well, you know, making those calls, having that confidence to do that. Um, and yeah, I've I've stayed there for two years. So that was um, that was from eighty nine to ninety one, and then one Thursday, Friday, one one day, I got home from work, pottering about doing the cleaning as you do, and I tripped at the bottom of the stairs. And we lived in quite an old house, and I tripped and I fell. and It was a plate glass door, so it wasn't safety glass. So I fell through the door. My ex boyfriend, that's what his ex said to me, He didn't I push you, did you today. No, no, no,
0: no, no. But
1: he <laughs> said, Oh, I think you might want to go put your arms under the tap. Um, I'm showing Michelle.
0: For, uh, you can, you can... Yeah, I can see. I, I, put,
1: I put my arms up, fell through the glass door. Then I think he realized, oh, this is a bit more serious than a, a bandage and a plaster <laughs> as I was hemorrhaging
0: at yeah. through
1: that throughout the house, throughout the carpet. It was great, I got a new carpet. Um to and fro. Um and I severed all my arteries and damaged that nerve. And because I just put my hands up to protect myself. So that was a bit of a weird one. And
0: you're um, lucky to be alive.
1: Yeah, well, we lived a mile from Pinderfields. Good old Pinderfields, um, the first um, hospital in the UK. Um, and we lived a mile from there, got into the hospital. they couldn't operate until Saturday because, yeah, it was Friday Saturday. Um, and I was in um, surgery for five and a half, six hours. And the surgeon that operated on me, you know, he'd said two or three years. Prior to that, they wouldn't have been able to, um, to put the nerve together. So I would have being able to use my left hand but it was only because of microsurgery that they were able to repair the nerve um and yeah I mean I lost a lot of blood liters and liters and liters of blood because it was these two um and I was in Pinderfields for quite a long time and it literally was you know that the postman came the following day and the front the front door was one of those half wood half glass windows mm. and we just we just left the house open and our next door neighbour was training to be a policeman. And my ex-boyfriend shouted at the window, oh, my God, Claire's had an accident. Can you drive us up to the hospital? So we just left the house and the house was wide open. And I don't know how the person didn't report a murder. <laughs> because when my mum my went to the house, she said, oh, my God, the hall just looked, you know, there was just blood everywhere. So, yeah, for months, of course, it was both my arms. So I was in pinderfields were these ridiculous uh, I had to sleep with my arms up all the time so that they could repair and they were bandaged from the elbows right up to the fingertips and I had to go live back at home so I had to go back to Shepley and live up I live in Shepley now I know I know I know so no. we were in Knoll Park yeah so my mum was um there so I had to live at my mum's because you know my my boyfriend at the time was working so there was no way I could couldn't do anything on my own, literally couldn't Mm -hmm. do anything on my own. So I went back to live at home um, and work were great. I'll I'll say they were great, but you know, um, they came to see me, they sent me flowers, they sent me cards and I was in hospital for basically all of that summer. I think this was June, because I do remember when I was in hospital, when they went to cut my clothes off, you know, when they like they do, when I went to cut my clothes off, I was gutted because I've got a t-shirt on that I bought for my holidays. (laughs) and you know how you buy clothes it's an English thing isn't it buy clothes for your holidays and save them well I'd worn this t-shirt and I was gutted because I was saving this t-shirt for my holidays the part that I was you know so um, (laughs) do you think that's a Yorkshire thing I don't know the the saving clothes for your holidays yeah you'd have a pile you'd have a pile of clothes that you would save for your holidays and I remember because it was our mutual friend's sister who was the nurse you know, so her sister was yeah. the nurse in the on the ward. And I remember saying to her, can you save this t-shirt? I'm saving it for my holidays. What do you think? I said to her, do you think I'll be able to cut costs in two weeks? She was like, I don't think you'll be going anywhere in two weeks. <laughs> like, oh no, I love this t-shirt. Um, so that was the whole summer. I remember because Brian Adams was number one. Anything I do, I do for you. It was on radio all the time. Um, and that was the whole summer. And I had physio every day. So we drove from Shepley to Wakefield every day for me to have physio. Um, Physio there was brilliant. Mike, still remembering. And for months I had physio and I didn't have to go every day. But because I wasn't working, I just thought, no, I've got to be able to use my hands again. I've got to be able to drive, I've got to be able to type, I've got to be able to write. Um, And then I was going back to work with... um, I have got an occupational therapist from Pinderfields so who said, I, "I need to check out your workplace." And da, 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 da. And I've been there a week, two weeks, longer than two years. And I turned up to the office, and my boss said, "Can I have a word with you?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I'm so excited! I'm gonna, you know, come back to work." And and he took me into a room, and the occupational he said to the occupational therapist, "Can you just have a cup of tea? I just need to talk to Claire." And he said, "Look, I'm really sorry. You know, we're a small business." You know, it was the '90s. This 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 division I was working for wasn't working out. Um, sorry, we're going to have to make you redundant. <laughs> I think I swore because <laughs> I was just like, "Really, you're just doing this to me now? Just absolutely great timing." Poor physio outside. Um, and obviously, that was a that was a. I'll be honest, it was a major blow going through the accident and having you know that my focus was get my arms right, get back to work, you know, it was the goal, it was the goal I was going through and, you know, again, this was kind of October, November, I looking great, before Christmas, my arms, you know, i would still got these big foamy things on my arms, like tennis bats, um, how am I going to get a job, you know, how am I going to get a job and I remember, you know, getting back home and obviously being absolutely gutted, but then thinking, no, 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 I've just, I've just, I've got a mortgage, I've got commitments, I've got my hands back working, I've got through this accident, I've just got to get another job, so again, scoured all the newspapers, and applied for quite a lot of jobs, um, and saw a job, telesales with Thompson Directories. and a friend of mine had said, I think you would be really good at that, and you know, bearing in mind, it's quite a hard core job in terms of direct marketing and cold calling and sales um but bless my granddad my granddad took me to every you know i had three interviews over three consecutive days a really hard recruitment process i mean god anybody who says to me they've worked at yellow pages or thompson directories i like, go oh, wow you've had yeah. some really good training hardcore <laughs> hardcore and when i went for the interview i kind of said look i've had this accident da, 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 da. and they said we don't care as long as you can sell, as long as you've got your brain, the fact, the fact that they didn't have computers, you know, that, that was just, it was, they wanted you to do that. So they didn't care, um, which, you know, at the time it was like, right, okay. It, and it was, you know, I knew it would be good training. It was, you know, part of the group I used to work for. I knew it would be good training. And I knew that I would, again, push myself, learn a new thing the money was really good um and you know it was it was at a time I remember Freddie Mercury died when I was on the training course you know you remember things um and it was I mean it was very intense training um and I again another job must be me and Thompson's another job I absolutely loved I loved the people um we worked really hard um and I worked Predominantly into Telesales, did a bit of field sales, but I don't know, I, I like the crack and the banter, I like the team environment in that telesales organization. Um, and you know, it was just such a good experience. Um, I, I got um, regional Salesperson of the Year award, went to Paris on the company Jet for the day. Oh, <laughs> I just spent the whole day going, I know, spent the whole day going, oh my god. But it was an absolute I would have gone off it. <laughs> well, well, there was a bit of me, which is oh, this is so lovely. This is so nice. It was, you know, it, it was a company that rewarded hard work, you know, competitiveness, hard work. I tell some of the students this sometimes and they just stare at me. You know, smoking, everybody smoked, the whole office smoked. And the, the, the area sales manager, Mike Andresco, still remember him now, stand at your desk. He was about five foot two, little sicilian guy it's it's stand at your desk smoking looking at your sales what you're going to do how have you done that can i expect you to pull in those numbers you know it was just that atmosphere it was a bit a bit mafia-ish but he would stand at his desk you know at your desk chatting away to you and he would put a cigarette in your ashtray and then he would light another one up and you would go mike he's still smoking (laughs)
0: Um, it's really it hard was, for people to get their head around the fact that people smoked in offices, isn't
1: it? I know. And, you know, you would have your lunch and people would be sat smoking at the desk and, you know, it was drinking at the desk. It was just, it was one of those kind of, you know, I think about the era, it was a bit of a 90s, you know, kind of aspiring to be Wall Street mm. <laughs> <laughs> work cultures. You know, we would have people that would come on the training course um and they would just go i'm just going to go out and get a sandwich and they wouldn't come back we used to have bets on how long people would last i mean honestly (laughs) you know they would it was just it was a kind of do or die environment you either made it or you didn't um and i think i discovered very well that i i could do the sales i enjoyed the sales i enjoyed the process i could build the relationships i was never apart from the when I went on the jet, I was never the best, but I was never the worst. I was, I would just know, you know, how to do my job week in, week out consistently. Um, And I I just, you know, learned so much. I think I learned so much about sales. I learned so much about marketing um, and I got headhunted out of Thompson directories. And even now, I mean, I still am in contact with a lot of people that I worked with. but you know, I have to put my, you know, hat out to them, which is that their training and the way that they they train people, and it did kind of make people. You either you could either cope with that or not cope with that. It was high. It was you know, it was high pressure. Um, and some directories: Huddersfield, Rochdale, Borough, Dream, Sheffield. You know, the, I hate Sheffield. Sorry, Sheffield. You know, Sheffield was just such a strong yellow pages area it was just so hard always to sell in those those areas um and it just taught me so much it was just yeah it was it was a great job and I mean I still laugh now about we used to have team meetings I remember that Mike Andresco he loved the godfather he loved David Bowie and and he would hold team meetings and he would play music and I remember walking into a team meeting once each campaign we would have these big team meetings and he played heroes and he he really believed in this. He really believed we were his heroes. Brilliant. He, kind of, he fired us up. You know, he motivated us. And it was, these were all his passions, you know, so he was obsessed with Godfather films and music. Mm. Um, and he used that in his work um, to scare the living daylights out, us. basically, you know, he's five foot two. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a really, really good experience. And I got headhunted then from... the. You got head to wear. Back to Huddersfield. Um, we right. know. Um, Tony Idale. Um oh, yeah. I seen Tony Idale travel, yeah. So my mum worked with him years and years before when she was at Thompson Holidays. She worked with him. He was her sales rep and he'd set up this successful travel agency. Um, he was in touch obviously with my mum quite a bit and he'd got all these retail branches of um, his retail travel branch and he contacted my mum and said I wonder what Claire's doing he said I'm I'm looking for somebody to kind of set up something in in telethials. um so he got in touch and my mum had just moved to New Zealand at this point so my mum had moved in what year did she go yeah she went in 93 so my mum had emigrated to New Zealand I decided because I got a job, house commitments, you know, that was great that she was going. I was really supportive, but I didn't want to go because um, I thought New Zealand was the back of beyond then. Uh, it didn't open on a Saturday. You know, there was just loads of things. And I was just like, no, 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 you know, I, I live, I've live. got my own house. I was quite independent. Um, so I had a couple of meetings with Tony. He kind of made me, you know, it was a great offer. Um it was a great offer and it was a great opportunity and it was it had similar experience to what I'd done bef- before so it was to set up a telesales department again showing my age they didn't have any direct sales other than one teletext page so it was mm. my job which was to expand that and we ended up having we had 30 pages on teletext teletext <laughs> booked it packed it it's, um, it's, so we... it's
0: yesterday's
1: google exactly i know but but it was what the market used um so we went from being like a team of three two or three to um i was responsible for recruiting new people training them which is where my telesales training came in and and you know and running the office really and running that department um and that's i mean i learned heaps um doing that you know setting up a department budgets training people um Spotting the skills that somebody could could somebody, somebody do this, um, and of course all my marketing stuff. I learned about marketing something that you'd got. You know, Tony Blessing would say, "Put ninety nine pound for Florida on. Go on, get the phones ringing." And I go, "Yeah, but if you do that, and we haven't got it, <clears throat> you know." So I learn a lot about marketing a product, um, buying off other companies. You know, we were buying planes going to America um, to Florida I'd never been, I remember after a year saying Tony I've done about half a million pounds worth of (laughs) Florida bookings and I've never been (laughs) please send me, I've got to go and learn the product Um, so I I did that for a couple of years and that's where I learned a lot about marketing, a lot about telesales um, and it was a really good opportunity um, it was back in Huddersfield, that was a bit weird you know we said before about things um, and I did that for about two years, but I'll be honest, it was just, it was long, it was long, long hours. Um, and I didn't get really to do as much travel as I wanted to do. Um, so anyway, yeah, that was 27. And then I worked, somebody came to me who one of my friends had said to me, if you, if you're looking to move and she just passed me, uh, I think it was, it must've been in the Yorkshire Post. And she passed me this job for, a um, telesales person at Royal Mail and that was in nineteen ninety-five and it was double did <laughs> yeah I did I did literally <laughs> so, um in, yeah so in ninety five moved to Royal Mail um did this telesales job um and I was dealing with so my job was to help small businesses um with their direct marketing so it was a bit of all the other experience that I'd got And some of those businesses that I used to deal with were in the travel and tourism sector. So it was kind of back to what I knew as well. And I loved that because essentially I was paid to talk to people, was paid to advise their businesses about marketing strategies. And it was brilliant because of course, very quickly I would give people advice and very quickly I would get results. Um, and I got promoted and uh, yeah, met my husband, um, They needed somebody in Newcastle. I I moved up to a field sales role, then a key account manager role, Um, and stayed there for, God, what was it, six, seven years before moving to New Zealand? And I mean, it was, you know, role mail, go from being the the biggest employer to working for a small employer.
0: What made you go to New Zealand then? Uh, Clearly, your mum's there, so that's a big pull. Did you go for a job or did you go for a lifestyle change or what was it? so my mum set the college up
1: um 25 years ago so my mum had set up ITC so my mum had set the college up and there was three business partners then there was two and then it was just her and her other business partner Trina was doing the marketing and Trina had left to have a baby and just didn't want to come back so my mum was just running on her own and a couple of times she'd said to me in passing I really need somebody to come and do the marketing hello looking at me and I was like yeah 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 and of course all my life I talked about marketing or worked in marketing um but you know I'd spent a lot of time six seven years at Mile, giving people advice but this suddenly was oh my god but doing it oh oh scary um and when I've met my husband he'd come to New Zealand a couple of times and he kept saying why don't we just give it a go you know if we don't know we will have never given it a go so it was, I was, I think I was more cautious than he was because I was going, yeah, grass is not always greener on the other side and, you know, I've got a good job at wrong May. I've mail. seen your
0: photographs, it looks amazing and I've been to New yeah. Zealand and it's beautiful. Exactly. It's like, oh my gosh, what was holding yeah. you back? <laughs> well, I
1: think it was holding me back was I knew that, you know, my, I'd, I'd lived in the UK when my mum was in New Zealand for quite a long period of time, so I knew how that, how difficult that was having a family relationship when you were overseas so I could, you know I could see how hard that would be for my husband um and also there was a bit of me which was you know it was just taking a bit of a risk and a bit of a a leap of faith and I'm I'm good at taking on new things but I think I overthink them sometimes so I kind of overthought god what if what if what if and my husband you know before we were married he, he just said oh, let's just give it a go you know What's the worst that's going to happen? And it's not that we didn't like England; it was just this was a different opportunity. Um, so yeah, I and, and I've, I'd worked with my mom years ago when I was at school, you know, just to start a side of the job. So I knew that I could work with my mom, and I knew that we could work well together. Um, it was just the challenge of moving to a new country and all of those other things, and 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 how that went. Um, so yeah, it was 2002. Yeah, we moved in the January, but we did nothing for three months. We travelled. <laughs> so I started as a marketing manager in 2002, um, and she retired in 2011. I was gutted. I was absolutely heartbroken because we worked really well together. Um, yeah, very rarely had a crossword, and we 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 just managed that work family really well. And she retired. Um, I carried on with two other business partners. Um, and completely not anything I'd ever had on my radar. one of them left in 2016, and then the other one retired in 2018 So it was just me and literally it, I, I, if I write a book, it would be called it will be called "The Unsuspecting CEO" because it was it was never on my plan. It literally wasn't never it. anything I wanted to do.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> You should write a book, and I feel like we've got another podcast in here. I think um, (laughs) just to talk about your experiences um, as, you know, going through the ranks and kind of becoming the CEO, maybe by accident, but in your eyes, but probably not in everybody else's eyes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations, because you've got a great job, and it looks like you run a really great organisation it's
1: it. 18 months has been really challenging when you're in uh, tourism obviously in New Zealand and you've got closed borders that's a bit of a challenge um and in a, in a pandemic but yeah I mean I've got a, I have got a great team who work for me they are brilliant they are so good and I can trust them I can ask them for help when I'm struggling um and yeah we we do get on like a family so I'm really lucky and, and I'm really privileged to work with really good people um and I always kind of view that my work life I choose to do business with people that I like and that's I keep saying got to be an advantage to owning this on your own business lark (laughs) and that is one of them is that you know yeah when we're all a bit different I always say we're like a family there's always you know there's always somebody that's a bit out there but that's fine you know that's it's just that's how we work you know and we work really well together um and yeah it as I say from 2018 it was a, sh- a shock that first year and, and and I'll be honest there wasn't a choice there wasn't a choice for anybody else really to come in and and take over as chief exec I had to do it so mm. I was well out of my comfort zone um but yeah I'm I'm still there and it's still kind of I think they're still like me, so. As long as I'm still there. And the, you know, the I think the big thing about I was thinking about the podcast, what what have I learned? And I thought the big thing I learned is that I enjoy the work that I do. And my job is, you know, for marketing ITC, it's easy because we do what we say we're gonna do. We educate people, we inspire them into an industry that I still love and still passionately feel about, and we still get those students' jobs. Even in a pandemic, we are still getting those students' jobs in tourism. So I always think I I've been lucky to be involved in a business that is about people's lives it's not something hard to market because it does change people's lives and does have quite you know all the tutors everybody that I work with that is what we do um and that is why we go to work um it's about you know I get emails from ex-students all the time and it's brilliant you know you I I always say I live vicariously through those students. (laughs) So it's almost like you can live your career through what they're doing. So it's it's brilliant. When I get hacked off, I'll be honest, when I'm having a bad day or when things are challenging, I can just read a student's feedback or somebody will send me a good news story from a student and I go, yeah,
0: that's why we do it. That's why we do what
1: we do. Yeah, exactly.
0: Good. Well, Claire, we're at that point of the podcast where... Uh, I'm going to ask you some random questions picked from a pack Absolutely. of cards so you've, you've got to um, kind of trust me and I'm just going to whiz through them okay. and I'll stop when you say stop so just... okay. Have you said stop. stop yet? Stop, stop, stop <laughs> Okay, what's one thing that you'd like to learn how to do in the next year? <gasps> um
1: i've got two things i'd like to do So i'm gonna say two two i've got a piano i got a piano from my 40th i said i was going to learn to play it it's still there i will be Chris time, Martin one day but yeah it's been sat there a while bless <laughs> it um I'm, i love music so i do wish i could play piano and the other thing is to learn um it's maori language week in new zealand this week so um I am really embarrassed. I turn up to loads of government meetings and everybody says kia ora kato, morena. You know, I um, I would learn, I would love to learn a bit more Maori language as soon as that's the place I live.
0: Good to answers. Okay, I'm, I'm whizzing again, so... Yeah, yeah, I'll let you pick. Stop. Well, this is going to be quite difficult, but it's really topical and I swear to God I've not actually fixed this. It says... <laughs> Where would you like to go on your next family vacation, given that you've researched the whole world? Well, I'll be honest. Um, it, if, you know,
1: if the borders were open, because we're still in the locked borders, the only place we want to go at the moment is back to England. Yeah. Family. So, yeah. 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 So yeah. my husband wants to go back. Yeah. I've got so many concerts to see, Michelle. I've got, you know, I've got... I've got so many credits. With, I won't uh, make you jealous, answer. but the
0: Kaiser Chiefs were in Halifax last week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I used to work with a, one of the mums of the Kaiser Chiefs. Um, and I know Elbow are touring and I know Killers are touring next year, so I am going to be absolutely ropeable because I can't see them. But yeah, so England, that would honestly be my... Right. Sure.
0: OK, we're on to the last question now, so I'll stop when you say <gasps> Stop! Oh, gosh. I literally... I I haven't made these up. What was the most (laughs) difficult transition you've experienced in your lifetime? Jesus, I think we covered that earlier. Um,
1: I think, well, you know, parenting, quite a difficult one. Um, I think the CEO, because that was just, there was so much I didn't, know you know, I knew a lot about marketing. I knew a lot about the business, but I didn't know a lot about the government side of the the organisation, the funding, running a team of people. Where you know, and I'm I'm quite I'm one of those people that I like to learn a thing and do a thing in order to to help people. Um, and of course, you know, I've never taught. I've trained people, but I've never been a tutor. Not, I always say to people, I'm not that skilled. <laughs> stand in front of the classroom and teach people um so I think that was probably the most challenging transition is taking over that role given the circumstances that I was in and I actually think and going through what we went through quite a you know bumpy three years to still be doing it um it's been difficult and challenging and I've done it
0: yeah and I think there's another podcast in there it'd be really good to um to talk through the last three years, um, mm. even just to get it on record, yeah. I mean, it's mm. it's it's one of those. I mean, when I tell people as well, you know, some
1: of the challenges, especially twenty nineteen, we went through. Um, people go, Jesus Christ, you know, it, it, it's a it's a lot. And I've learned so much about resilience. I just read a brilliant book called *Calm Within the Storm*, um, and it's really taught me a lot of lessons about resilience in the workplace because I think we we deal with so much you know we operate at this kind of level and of course the minute the pandemic hit nobody had got any capacity for dealing with that as well as all of the worries and everything at home so every day actually my mum bless her always says to me how the college is still training students getting good student outcomes and operating given what the business has gone through and the tourism sector has gone through in New Zealand is a testimony to the team and you know you've got to have somebody at the front of the team saying, right, okay, what are we doing? Keeping everybody focused. So yeah, it's, it's been tough, but I've learned lots. And that's, I suppose my mindset has been the hard stuff is the stuff that we learn from. So that's my learning.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you after so long. I'm so no. glad you agreed to come on the podcast and I can't wait no. to listen to our friends feedback when they listen to it but um it's it's been lovely (laughs) i'm gonna leave it at that have a great day and i'm I'm gonna go to bed now oh thank you
1: you so much all right love see you
0: thank you for listening if you like our podcasts please leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform if you would like to sponsor a future episode then please get in touch through social media